Welcome to the Retro SaaS Mutation Podcast, an exuberantly reckless audio experience where hosts Ozzy Ramadan and Christian Marcus are tasked to compare and discuss two randomly chosen topics from a roiling cauldron stewing with the severed remains of all things life, culture, and mass media. And standing in for Ozzy Ramadan as he takes time to explore the erotic undercurrents of Lawrence Durrell's Alexandria Quartet is guest host and veteran entertainment journalist, David Reddish. In this week's episode, we are going to be comparing and discussing uh, a documentary, Discovery Plus documentary, House of Hammer, on the infamous actor Army Hammer. Uh, I I wasn't very familiar with him uh, until you suggested this documentary really? so it was it was mind-blowing it was it was a definitely excited to get into the nuts and bolts of this uh, three I, I, episodes it was a three episode series about an hour each so or was it longer i felt like it was no i think it was it was it was three hours i mean it, i think it's amazing that you were not that familiar with him and there i don't want to give anything away but there's a lot i could say about that already as to why you have probably never <laughs> heard of him uh despite him being a quote-unquote major star there was one movie that, uh, and we'll, we'll mention that in a moment, that he became really famous for, uh, that I did hear about. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I was, uh, and this, of course, the social network. And um, anyways, I don't want to get too far in myself. So yeah, we're going to compare House of Hammer to another documentary, HBO documentary, Katrina Babies, which uh, was, I mean, both of these documentaries are just really heavy uh, yes, and so, yeah, we're going to get right into it. So our typical format, uh, everyone, thank you for listening, is uh, first blush. So we're going to kind of share our first reactions, our gut reactions to uh, each. Uh, then we're going to share a quote that stood out that we got from the documentaries. Uh, also, why they matter in their own distinct, unique ways. And then, to me, the most important part, which is really teasing out the connections uh, again, the connections between two seemingly disparate things, uh, and then the three connecting words that seems to embody uh, the topic and themes and motifs uh, throughout. So, um, David, thank you again for being present. I'm going to defer to you. So, first blush, House of Hammer, take it away. So, House of Hammer deals with the Hammer family. It starts with the recent allegations against Army Hammer of uh, physical and psychological abuse, as well nice. as rape. To sort of summarize, a number of women have come forward, uh, three former exes and one woman who still remains anonymous, all accusing him of physical abuse, saying that he is very into BDSM sex and sort of all uh, bondage and 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 spanking and biting and all kinds of things of course people who have been paying attention to the news know that he was canceled quote unquote because he was sending messages about cannibalizing yeah. <laughs> his Jeez. potential sex partner <laughs> that's, that's that. the line i would draw yes I, I i don't know if that's a turn on to some people i suppose anything can be a turn on to somebody uh, i've seen some freaky videos but uh, the, the the show goes one step beyond that, and it deals with the Hammer family going all the way back to his great grandfather, Armand Hammer, who... Which was fascinating itself. And I don't mean it to is. interrupt, but the, the what is it? The great-great-grandfather, what it was, Julius Hammer? Ju- he was... Uh, 
Was it his great great grandmother's Julius? That sounds right. Julian or Julius? I confused. Julius was the immigrant, and Julian yeah. is is the son. Army, I guess Army's grandfather. Yeah. yeah, but the founder of uh, the Con- American Communist Party. Yes. That kind of blew me away. That was really interesting. Which, when your family, you know, has this has this reputation of being very waspy, psycho wealthy, there's irony there that you're. <laughs> the founder of the American Communist Party, sort of in the same way that the Chinese have become the greatest capitalists in the world, uh, yeah. the last remaining major communist country in the world. Because as I understood it, he, his fortune in part was based on selling, or he acted was as a spy, technically, no, for... The- he did act as a spy. Uh, he won a Nobel Peace Prize, which is really funny, but he also had these paranoid tendencies. He had his family members followed by private investigators. He compiled dossiers, J. Edgar Hoover style, on all the members of his family, anyone they may have been dating or being friends, all kinds of people. It was very, very obsessive. And one of the themes that I think the documentary tries to draw is the idea of systematic abuse within a family yes. how it's passed down uh casey who would be army hammer's aunt who yes strange from the rest of the family for various reasons we'll get into in a moment describes seeing a lot of abuse at the hands of her father she describes being abused by her brother by her grandfather uh, she describes at one point seeing her mother bleed her father hit her so hard Mm-hmm. And she says this goes on and on and on and on. Her brother, Michael, cheated her out of her inheritance mm-hmm. when Armand died. Cheated both her and their father, uh, Julian. Because it passed on mostly to Michael, right? He was the preferred son, supposedly. He was the preferred son. And it's so, so this gets into interesting sort of personal background. Now, I know someone associated with the, ha- uh, with the Hammer family who worked for Armand Hammer Ooh, wow. and who before this documentary aired, mind you told me a lot that was going on with the family. And he did reveal to me that Julian, so that would be army's grandfather is actively bisexual. Mm. And that was fairly well known. That's a big revelation that comes out in this series that, that he was bisexual. It was not unknown among That's the family. That's true. Like he had his kind of his rooms or any, pretty much anything goes so oh, to speak yeah. to keep it PG 13. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, sexual tastes and proclivities that were arguably passed down to Michael, Army's uh, Army's father, and to Army himself. Uh, I guess a lot of the sexual stories in the documentary are apparently Mm. true, because I was told by someone that may have been there. Uh, He also did confirm that Michael manipulated Armand Hammer in the last months of his life to essentially steal the $40 million family fortune. Yeah, that was suggested in the documentary. And and cheat Julian and Casey and the rest of the family out of out of their money. Uh, It sounds really, really gross. The thing that sort of I mean, there are two things that sort of bothered me in this documentary, frankly, apart from all the allegations that these women are sharing and the idea that Army Hammer may be a rapist. One is that it seems like the documentary sometimes is trying to say Army was born evil. And I think mm-hmm. that's a bridge too far. I think they mm-hmm. maybe get a little heavy handed with the idea that he is just this this malignant offspring from a malignant family line. I think yeah. that's a stretch in my mind. I would there agree with that. I would say uh, Michael, his his father... Uh, is a benevolent man because he converted to Christianity from Judaism and now funds all these Christian charities. But Michael also is known for having a sex throne. So, hey. 
Jerry Falwell Jr., also a great Christian. Right. He had right. orgies right. And, and open marriage. And Temptation's anyway, too great among these people. Can you say? Yeah. The other, and this this could open up an interesting line of questioning for you and I. The women, most of the women who appear on camera in this in this story who dated Army Hammer or had sexual mm-hmm. relationships with him, all say they feel very abused and exploited, that the relationship became horribly, horribly abusive. Yeah. But they all say, but I consented. I stopped short of saying no. And I don't know, for all these gross hammer messages that we have to sit through about how he wants to cut out some woman's liver and eat it while he fucks her or something. Are we allowed to say fuck on this podcast? Say whatever you want. Okay, yeah. Bring just it, bring it home to the people. Just making sure it's hard to, to not say fuck when talking about army hammer right now. What, but the point that I'm making is at what point does kink stop being kink and does it become abuse? Did these women really think he was going to murder and eat them? Or was that just, we we all say things in pillow talk, I'm guessing, that are maybe a little hyperbolic and hot in the moment, but we have no intention of actually fulfilling. And and as revealing and as even overly detailed or graphic as some of his text messages were to the women, there also was evidence of them liking and harding. I think there's one comment where he got pretty explicit about about the rope bondage that he envisioned for, and I forget the name of one of the the women, but she, she put like a little love icon now you can you can you know she i think she tried to justify that by well you know i was under pressure there's peer yeah. pressure so to speak and I, I wanted to please him uh especially within the context of his the overwhelming charm offensive that he kind of waged on it seems like there definitely was a pattern of of trying to seduce these women uh by the nicknames that he gave each of them oh, yes. just kind of like the places he took them out on their initial days the way that he introduced them to his mother so there were some really odd behavioral patterns there uh, most, worth dissecting most definitely in the documentary series m- drives that point home very very well that he yeah. was very very good at getting women to trust him the love bombing they call it getting yeah. them to disarm and then sort of luring them into this kinkier lifestyle um, I, I have a unique perspective on this because I am someone who has been sexually abused and exploited mm. by, you know, within relationships that I've had. And I'm also a gay man who has attended kink seminars at many pride. <laughs> and it's interesting to me to sort of, I, I have, I don't have an answer to this question, but it's like, at what point does kink stop being kink and start becoming abuse and and any kinkster will tell you establishing trust and awareness are the communication it doesn't seem like army hammer did that with these women so i completely understand their feelings of exploitation and in fairness to the documentary they did bring on this uh uh, i don't know if she was like a sex therapist or a bdsm expert but she did say you know she looked at his text messages and and kind of you know uh, was informed of of the testimony of these women. And she did say, well, Hey, this is not BDSM. There was yeah. a level of trust and communication, the safe word, yeah. you know, all of those things, you know, there's always, you know, BDSM works best if it's consensual, but also clear communication and always not doing anything yeah. without the other person's validation and understanding and acceptance, so to speak. Yeah. And, and that being said, People have very, very weird kinks. I, I don't want to tell you all the things I've been invited to do or to participate <laughs> and this is, in. 
And this is nothing against kink or even BDSM, no. but rather, you know, he, it's, it, you know, the documentary. He's being irresponsible yeah. about kink if this right, is the right. way he is approaching it. And, you know, you can't get around that fact. Uh, on the whole, a very, very disturbing, disturbing story. The other thing that I guess I would say about Army Hammer before we move on to Katrini Babies. Uh, it's interesting to me that you don't know who he is. <laughs> or didn't know who he was so there's this famous movie uh what was it called i uh social you know network the, not social network although i know he was in it and i watched social network but he didn't stand out to me for some reason Which but it was another one he plays two characters in that movie oh that's right he played the Winklevoss. he plays twin. the that's right twin. that's right and you still can't remember that's that he's right. in the movie okay okay yeah no that was new i didn't know that he played both that was that was kind of yeah. cool uh, that was that was a yeah ah, darn you know he definitely has some skill and then there's another even more famous well it was like kind of a, it was like an indie where he played call me by uh, your name call me by your name which so they was thought, actually like, call me, so I'll remind you and our listeners there was an excellent piece that I believe was run by BuzzFeed when call me by your name came out in 2017 2018 mm-hmm. whatever that was uh, called ten long years of trying to make Army Hammer happen. Mm. which was all about how after the social network, everybody went, this guy is super handsome. He's a good actor. Oh, he's extraordinarily striking. Absolutely. He's, he's going to be a huge, 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 huge star starting in 2007 or what, you know, whenever he sort of appeared on the scene and then it didn't happen. Some of that was because of bad luck. He was attached to play, for example, Batman, in the oh, wow. unmade George Miller Justice League movie, this was supposed to go before the cameras circa 2009 for a two, uh, 2010 release date. It was going to be the biggest movie of all time. It had a $300 million budget, and he was going to be playing one of the leads. That movie, for a whole host of reasons, never happened. Mm-hmm. So he missed out on a good part there. Uh, then at the same time, he did get some good parts in movies that were enormous bombs. Movies right. like The Lone Ranger. Starring mm-hmm. Johnny Depp. He played the title character. Uh, Mr. Hammer was one of the biggest bombs in Disney history. A movie called The Man from Uncle opposite ha- Henry Cavill was a huge, 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 huge mm-hmm. bomb. It was made to compete with Bond and, uh, and Mission Impossible. It just didn't find an audience. Uh, Hammer is somebody that has always kind of been there but never really caught on. And even when I'll Call Me By Your Name came out and it was extremely well received and he is good in the movie in fairness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was all the talk that, oh my gosh, he's finally going to get, he's going to get an Oscar nomination. This is his takeoff. And then what happened was Timothy Chalamet, who nobody even remembered who he was, gave the performance of the year. He became the megastar uh... and completely overshadowed Army, who was snubbed by the Academy. It's it's interesting to say see the way all of this sort of works and circulates. Uh, yeah, it, it's very very interesting the reasons why he never caught on and the reason the audience always kind of remained ambivalent to it. Okay, and we can de- yeah we can definitely return to that in part. Yeah. So I want to share my first blush. I'm going to kind of take a more kind of more gener- general general uh, view of things. So to me, my and I say when I say first blush, my my kind of collective cumulative reaction after seeing all three episodes so so for me you know just the the brazen criminality that exists among the elite because in the in the documentary even though other individuals of of note whether they're world leaders or influencers uh you know they had connections with these people 
and and so they were complicit in part to like oh the Prince Charles right uh, there are certain suggestions made in the doc- documentary about how he humored Army Hammer in return for you know raising significant amounts of cash to kind of fund his own you know uh, philanthropic endeavors um, also. Um, to me, just like the history of family abuse, manipulation, and violence. And this actually connects nicely to what you mentioned earlier, which was you said, well, you know, the documentary unfairly makes him out to be this innate demon. Yeah. This, you know, he's just born this way. Whereas I, I agree with you. I think, no, this is more of a testament to, you know, uh, the abuse that, you know, he himself was groomed into this family of abuse. Like he was socialized to have these tendencies. And yeah. sure, we can, you know, the nature versus nurture, that argument can be had. It's usually both and, but clearly, you know, he had some pretty uh, exemplary uh, mentors of debauchery and violence to uh, whose footsteps he can, he was able to follow. Um, yeah. Also, just like the grooming, how calculating these types oh, of yes. individuals are, like just, you know, just uh, the, the, again, you mentioned the love bombing, just how uh, just like, oh, I'm going to, you know, he had this like this kind of these patterns, these, you know, uh, this checklist of things that he knew would work to get these women completely enthralled. Oh, you are my son. Like these just very, you know, these <laughs> these phrases and descriptions that, you know, in a moment of vulnerability, you're going to, of course, you're going to re- respond to, you know, that's going to sound like, oh, my God, you know, he th- thinks the world of me. This is the one. Um, but 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 also just his I don't know how he did like in between all these movies. How did he like supposedly he wasn't just communicating and texting these women and calling them and spending time with them. Right on a on a daily basis, he was doing it supposedly with multiple women almost. So I'm like, wow, like this guy. I want to see his itinerary. He's got he's got hell of a, a scheduling ability. Um, and then also, um, you know, d- yeah, just a typical arch of the predator. I think that was a key takeaway for me. Yeah. Um, and then oh, and then one last thing to come back to in terms of my final first blush is just how families like this. It's not just external. They don't just turn on others, but they also turn on themselves. Yes. So it, it just gets to a point where it's just destructive all around, held together by this this vague notion of, hey, where we we share the same blood. We are, you know, we have to kind of protect our own public image, but everything else is fair game. It's Unless it comes to money. Unless it comes to money, then yeah. then screw you, sister. Oh, that's everything. Screw you, yeah. dad. I'm yep. taking everything. Yeah. So yeah, those were kind of my key. Um, yeah, my key takeaways after watching this. Uh, okay, so before we push on with Army Hammer, let's yep. shift to Katrina Baby. So your first reaction, your first blush after seeing this documentary. I mean, it's 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 heart-stopping. It's so unfortunate. And and I think, mm-hmm. you know, honestly, as, as sort of self-centered as this is, we're recording this on October 4th, having just seen another massive, oh, massive right. hurricane yeah. destroy the Gulf Coast in Florida, um, places that my family has lived for generations uh, and we're all still at this point where, you know, everybody's safe and everybody's healthy, but we're all still wrestling with what the financial cost the, and the emotional cost will be mm-hmm. to the area. My, my folks and my grandmother are terrified for their friends. And so watching something like Katrina babies, it's, I mean, it drives home the point in a completely different way. And that, that's a very self-centered reaction, I know. But mm-hmm. but that's where my head is right now. So forgive and for, me. And for those listeners who haven't seen this documentary, so Katrina Babies um, basically uh, feature or document or interviews the children um, who lived through uh, Hurricane Katrina. 
and kind of almost like a retro- retrospective, yeah. like looking back, well, how did this affect you? And also like what happened? What was the outcome of these people who endured that, um, that, you know, devastating natural disaster? Yes. I mean, what was your reaction? Talk more about that. Yeah, no. So for me, um, it was anger, shock, um, at the sheer scale of the ne- neglect and aban- abandonment that happened to these people. So when I, when this was taking place, you know, I was a different frame of mind at the time. And all I knew about what those people experienced was what I saw through the TV. And all I saw through the news was, okay, yeah, this was a bad hurricane and a lot of people lost their lives and things got flooded, but it was always the looting. Yeah. It was always like, oh my God, look at these people. Yes. They're looting and the helicopters hovering above and look at them, you know, um, you know, uh, pillaging these big box stores and walking out with the big TV sets. And that was like kind of like the, 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 I guess the, the obsession because that's what they thought would drive ratings. But as you watch this documentary, you realize these were people, these were human lives. They, ex- um, you know, these were communities that developed this culture that had endured for decades. Yeah. Uh, and that was beautiful to see, like the listening to the families talk about like just, you know, how they help, uh, even despite their, I don't want to say, you know, they're definitely a poorer community, but the, just how they banded together as a community to provide each other that kind of emotional support, how, you know, ch- you know, the neighborhood children would play at someone's house and, and just those ties and connections that were lost and are lost forever. Uh, because of course now those regions became gentrified. They got pushed yeah. out. <laughs> and so, and, and also just kind of, this is, this is a perfect example of systemic racism. I mean, this it doesn't yeah. get any more obvious than that i mean you know this is it they were given the response was lackluster uh the coverage was racist and biased and and you know the consequence was uh you know a generation of trauma that that's very well said when you talk about the incompetence that led to the true tragedy and disaster of Mm -hmm. katrina yeah that that is something that rings very loud in my ears. Michael Brown, who at the time was the head of FEMA, who was appointed by George W. Bush because mm-hmm. they were yep. friends, not because the man had any kind of experience in natural disasters or managing a government agency. He was appointed purely for crony reasons, mm-hmm. had no idea what oh. he was doing. And the complete disconnect that became so indicative of the way George W. Bush will always be remembered. Katrina was the tipping point where people looked at him and realized he had no idea what he was doing. Right. He had no idea what the people around him were doing. And he really didn't care very much. Uh, That that led to a level of fury It was one of the most defining, you know, as much as I think nine 11 defined the Bush presidency, certainly at the time, I think the failures of Katrina are much more indicative of his legacy and the legacy of his administration. And, uh, you know, and it's why, as I was watching a documentary, I almost had a moment where I really sympathized with a controversial comment that Kanye West made, which was, oh, George Bush doesn't care about black people. And when you watch this documentary, like, yeah, he's right. (laughs) You know, like he got so much heat for saying that. But the but the neglect that these people experience, a lack of support and assistance, you know, being shoveled, shoved into this, you know, stadium, uh, you know, I mean... You know, their, their their entire neighborhoods got not just flooded, but just completely I mean, covered by an ocean. That's just, yeah. you know, I mean, they lost everything instantaneously and they had yeah. nothing 
to turn to that was yeah. even remotely adequate. Uh, and, and that, and okay, that maybe in the moment when it first happens, it's understandable. Okay. It was a sudden and nobody expected this, the sheer scale of devastation, but then, okay, week, two weeks later, really? Like you haven't, you know, mobilized the, you know, I, again, I don't know all the details of what was mobilized or not, but it definitely was right. obvious that not enough resources went in. And the president at the time did not go out of his way arguably to show yeah. this compare and compassion. Like, Hey, I'm going to be there with you. Uh, hey, I'm going to pick up a, whatever a bucket yeah. or i'm gonna pass out food or whatever you know like it, it was just kind of he was very muted and uh not very active distant and and sort of ambivalent to yeah yeah destruction of one of the united states most iconic important you know most populous cities uh the, to the point that you make about kanye west I think it's interesting because it was it's really hard when you look at something like Katrina Babies or I remember even watching the coverage at the time. It's really, really hard not to agree with him. Yeah. Sort of yep. say, George Bush, do you care about black people? Just mm -hmm. Michael Brown. What, what the hell's going on? Where is everybody? Um, yeah. He made that comment, as I recall, opposite Mike Myers at a fundraising mm. event. Oh, and Mike that's Myers right. that's later, right. later defended him publicly saying, yeah. I he went off script, but I agree with everything he said. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's interesting. It's interesting to me now that in, in, as we sort of recall these comments that this weekend, Kanye West was photographed with Candace Owens at <laughs> Republican rally wearing a white lives matter. Right. Oh, Kanye. Or ye, how, we should say ye. How the world evolves. Um, the other comment yeah. that I remember from that time that does not get as much Inc. now doesn't get as much press was from Barbara Bush, George W. Bush's mm. mother, former first lady, who was talking about how refugees from New Orleans who were in the where they were taken to Houston to one of the what's the big dome, the big stadium in Houston. It's not the Superdome because that's actually in New Orleans. Um, is it the Astrodome? I want to say it is that. I'm sorry, I'm not the I mean, I'm not neither an of us sports guys. Okay, everybody went to a big stadium. A big stadium <laughs> in, in yeah. Texas. They were they were moving refugees to the stadium mm -hmm. in Texas where they could take shelter because it was a pressure dome and they'd be protected from the storm. And Barbara Bush made comments about how that was an upgrade in lifestyle for most of them. Oh, Superdome. You're right. It was the Superdome. It was okay. Yeah. So, but yeah, so, wait, wait, no, that's important. Okay, so she that they wait, say that again. That she thought she, that they, she said that the people who had their homes destroyed, who were moved to Texas as oh, refugees and living in the stadium, were actually given you know an upgrade in standard of living. Words and I'm that. glad you mentioned that because the documentary interviews those people who, for example, actually Texas is interesting. You mentioned they were, I mean, they became refugees in their own home country. I mean, yep. that's how they described it. So, because it's not even about quality, it's they're, you know, they lost their, the cultural ties that they had with their neighborhood. So they, sure, they were relocated, some of them, but they were relocated to places where they had no family. They had no connections. They had yep. no networks. Uh, they were, you know, bullied and they were mistreated because well they were the other right yeah and so you know that trauma just compounded itself it wasn't just the trauma of the natural disaster but now it's the trauma of you know of, of losing the losing the neighborhood and your support network that you grew up in that you relied on to help shape you and, and you know provide you opportunities and now you're the stranger having to completely start over and it's that's not so yeah that's uh, that just shows how tone deaf she is I remember, uh, well, she's dead now. I remember uh, when she that was, sorry, yeah. 
it's, I don't know, wherever she is, I don't think she cares what we say about her. Um, but I remember when that happened thinking, I know one 200 pound bag that could be used to plug up holes in the levee, but, <laughs> but Hey, they don't listen to me in Washington. Uh, Moving on from that. Uh, it's interesting now, you know, in, in light of the major hurricanes we've had since Katrina as well, mm-hmm. Sandy that destroyed New York and New mm-hmm. Jersey in whatever year that was 2011, 2012. It's frightening how much this all kind of runs together in the memory. Yeah. Uh, or uh, the the hurricane that destroyed Puerto Rico, the last one that destroyed right, Puerto right. Rico under the Trump administration. Do you remember the name? What? What? Which one was that? Oh my gosh! Oh, was it Hazel or something like that? In Puerto Rico. Let's see. And this this is the one where he was you know caught on camera throwing paper towels to refugees. And oh, that was his idea. right. Uh, well, it's hard. Was- yeah. yeah, it's really hard not to think of the parallels between that and Katrina. Maria. And which one was I it? I think Maria. it was Maria. Maria, that's 2018, right. yeah. Yeah, okay. Category four. Yeah, that's um, that was the one that yeah, really, I remember really that. hit Puerto Rico hard. <laughs> Puerto Rico being part of the United States, <sighs> once again, and full of American citizens. It's really hard to look at what happened there and think there's not a racial component. I can't. I'm sorry. I can't get the, the the vision of him throwing paper towels into the crowd as if it were hats or some memorabilia or merchandise sure? in his mind. It's like oh, through through. Like what? What the heck were you thinking? Oh my goodness! He like, was. These he are didn't prized, care. Right? I mean, and it, it, it's interesting that these. Oh my god! Pres- I don't want to get like political about it, but it's hard uh, when you have yeah. two Republican presidents who didn't respond to a major crisis, yeah. and then in the midst of Sandy, you have Barack Obama giving all kinds of money to New York and New Jersey, mm-hmm. going there personally with his arm around Chris Christie, who was governor of New Jersey, saying, we are going to rebuild this to the point where Chris Christie went on Fox News and when asked, oh, don't you think Obama could have done a better job? He said, no, I can't say that. Mm-hmm. I think he did an amazing job. Rare moment of bipartisanship there. Rare moment of, of candor and bipartisanship. And Chris Christie gets a lot of a lot of jokes at his expense, but say what you will about him. I, I think that was a, an authentic moment for him. Uh, it's, it's interesting now to, to look at how DeSantis is shouting down reporters in Florida. Yeah. Uh, and the Biden administration is doing everything they can. DeSantis, who, by the way, voted against the relief package. Right. Yes. For Hurricane Sandy <laughs> in New York and New yeah. Jersey. But All right. as did Marco Rubio. So let's transition to the quote. Okay. Um, Cause we're going to, you know, we're going to, uh, I'm imposing some structure, but we're going to get to everything that you want, not not to worry. Okay, so first quote, going back to House of Hammer. So this is a quote that stood out to me. Yeah. And this was, I believe, was posed to Army ha- Armand Hammer. By the way, Armand Hammer, it's kind of interesting. I thought the arm and hammer, kind of the communist signia. Okay, I thought that was kind of a fun little, uh, uh, little fact there. Okay, so the quote that stuck out to me was, why don't you want to be president? He was asked, and he responds, because there isn't enough power in it. Uh, and I thought that's to, uh, and again, you mentioned, you know, going back to the influence and power of money and, yes. and you do see this in a documentary, how he's able to throw. And, you know, when I was younger or, or maybe less informed, like you don't always hear about these individuals, right? So no. if a president is really more of a symbolic position or, you know, at best has a limited range of, uh, of opportunities to influence things. And, you know, we can argue, you know, our, our presidents obviously wield a considerable influence, but to, to, as someone who was on the other side of it and a more, I guess, background, or I guess away from the public view and how he, he felt very comfortable in saying, yeah, hey, well, you know, I, I didn't want to become president because 
I, I'm able to exert more influence and and affect more legislation and and policy from yeah. from the the vantage point of where I'm at as this oil, you know, what is it? Um, the uh, the oil company that he was part of. Um, oh, oh. shoot, uh, Accidental, right? Yes. Yeah, Occidental, and so he, you know, he's and he and that, it wasn't just in the United States. He was able to influence and and affect legislation and policy all of in countries all over the world, uh, Europe, England, United States, and I, I don't think people spend enough time. We always like to focus on the you know the president and what he or she or they can achieve if given the opportunity. But, you know, these are real, how many power, you know, behind the scenes power players are there that we aren't aware of and who really affects, uh, you know, the daily living conditions of, of so many people around the world. Absolutely true. I mean, I guess this is the the, the kernel of truth in all the conspiracy theories. That's that right, the hook. Yep. Illuminati shadow government. Well, it's rich people, okay? Like they... You don't have to look hard to find out, figure out who it is. Yeah. It's the rich people. <laughs> They're funding the politicians. They're funding, you know, everything because they have yeah. all the money. I think that's true. Uh, the quote that stood out to me is not so much a direct quote as it is a story from Paige Lorenz, a woman that dated Army Hammer, talking about how Army Hammer asked to have her ribs removed so he oh. could eat them and how he was obsessed with meat. That and took it to another level. That's... Uh, I mean, even as kink goes, and listen, I, I I have been asked to defecate in somebody's mouth. I didn't do it, but I was asked. I was offered. You know, all the yeah, everything yeah. you guys have ever heard of, water sports, tie-up, rape fantasies, all kinds of just, whoa, okay, that's, that's, yeah. that's scandalous. This stood out in a way that, nothing ever quite had like you know i don't know how to justify like okay hey um i i consent to your removing my rib and eating it in front of me like that's i mean ooh, that's uh, okay now we gotta look at your mental health i think at this point i mean there's, there's, that's there's just the most expensive like rib yeah. dinner you would ever have anyway i'm guessing you know have somebody's ribs actually removed it, it's it's a horrifying thought i feel uh, like this would be something that philosophers could debate endlessly to no avail because it, you know it's like how where do you draw the line i mean okay like yeah. removing a rib that's permanent right that's a permanent uh, disfiguration or a permanent alteration of your body and i think that's putting it lightly yeah right? that's something you never get back whereas you know any type type of of kink involving bodily fluids or whatever that those are that's temporary right that's just right. more like a passing fixation visual fixation or or I don't know a physical sensation, but this is like a body part that's being removed. I mean, and eaten like that's cannibalism. And, and eaten, yeah. and yet, even <laughs> as I say this, the question still lingers in my mind. Well, if she's into that, is it okay? Is right. it okay? <laughs> oh no! If it's just kink, is it okay if it's just talk? That you, yeah. How real are his intentions? Because obviously, all the the hoops you would have to go through to find a doctor that would be willing to do that. And then a chef that would be willing to cook human ribs for dinner uh, with or without barbecue sauce. I think it it strikes me as so outrageous and outlandish. It's like, well, is that just pillow talk? Really strange pillow talk for most of us? (laughs) I don't know. I I don't know if I've ever been in a position where where I'm, you know, resting with my significant other, now my wife, and say post-coitus, oh, honey. I wish I could boil your toe. <laughs> just, I, I mean, it's uh, uh, 
how that could be cute. I don't know. At least a toe is cute, but a rib? I don't know. <laughs> the Marquis de Sade would find it intense. There you go. The Marquis no. de Sade. Oh, no. But I don't think even he went to the extent of cannibalism. He was just into, yeah, he was into the, the just the ordinary. I, I think he was ahead of his time when it comes to what's on, like you porn and stuff like that. Oh, for sure. He was like, and I mean, rib, he yeah. did get into some really, really wild, kinky stuff, both, both personally and in terms of what he was writing. But I, I don't think some of the heinous acts that are described in his stories are anything he actually did. did I don't think yeah. cut There's new a... vaginas into women so he could have sex with them. You know, it's, no, I don't think he did it. I, it's just a thought. Uh, but yeah, no. That he. So look, going back to the point, I think yeah, yeah. that to me was a lot. That was too much. That was if you know if he really said that in earnest, then that's. Yeah, he's got some serious issues, and yeah. uh, women stay away from it at all costs. Um, uh, okay, quote on Katrina babies. Um, yeah. So, oh, I'm sorry. Did I? Did you? Were you did you uh, fully explain? I'm sorry. Your. Yeah, yeah. I, I okay, think I you're did. good. You're good. Okay, yeah. so the quote I chose for Katrina babies is um, in America, especially during disasters, black children are not even a thought. Um, it was mentioned in the documentary and, and that's something that you see in the documentary. First of all, I really appreciated all the archival footage that was shown because I, and I think, you know, again, this goes back to my first blush. I was really disappointed in the media, um, and there, and at least at how I remembered it, right. The things that stood out in the media coverage of focusing on the looting, which really were acts of desperation uh, when you've lost everything and you literally have nothing and you have no hope inside. What are you going to do? Of course, you're going to find right. whatever resources you can. Like, come on. Um, but yeah, just, you know, the, the children, my goodness, not even about the adults or the elderly. I mean, there are generations of, you know, that tens of thousands of children who had to endure and live through this. And the, it was heartbreaking seeing the archival footage of kids at the, at the stadium, the super, you know. Yeah. Uh, who were just in, you could just see in their faces the state of shock, you know, who a week ago were running around and playing with their friends and, and you, know, uh, you know, you know, enjoying their communities. And now they're stuffed in the stadium and they're just like, you can tell like they don't quite understand fully what's going on other than they know that what, what's going on is just really serious and impactful. Yeah. And that just broke my heart, you know, like seeing babies and, you know, toddlers and, and infants and grade schoolers just you know begging for water and and searching for anything that they can get uh, that was ah that that really that hit home it is yes it does and it's extremely hard to get past that kind of image i you know the quote that i chose it's not on its face anything particularly i guess particularly incendiary but it's it's the tone of ray nagan's voice the, mm -hmm. he was the mayor of new orleans yeah time just the absolute desperation where this man saw the city he loved completely coming apart the community he loved completely destroyed yeah. and he said something to the effect of i think god's mad at america mm. and particularly in the context of the bush years which were very where we had an office of face based in you know, based initiatives and, mm. and right love right. to talk about his faith right, right. His religiosity and everybody thought that was a great mm. reason to vote for him um, it, it, it just underlines the hypocrisy, yeah. um, and the emptiness of the kind of old time religion that, 
that these politicians were selling at the time. And how selective its application is when it comes uh, well, to yeah, absolutely. Right? extending the grace of God, quote unquote, as, as they would, they would like yeah. to say. You know? Yeah. Like, gee, thanks. Here are these kids who are still struggling to pick up the pieces, you know, all this time later. Yeah. Whew. Okay. Why it matters. Why right. it matters. Uh, back to Army Hammer. Uh, to me, it's really, um, if anything, look, we can debate, you know, to what extent is Army Hammer uh you know truly the person that this documentary and these women right. describe him to be but i think what the key takeaway from this documentary is is really teaching to recognize the patterns of abuse that can happen yeah. uh, in a relationship because there was a clear progression in the way that he groomed these women yeah and i think you know that's why i think you know uh, this should be taught you know to to young kids because you know, especially when you're first you know, you're in your early twenties or yeah. late teens, or even in your teens, and you're trying to figure out, you know, trying to learn the process of, of relationship. What is a relationship? Like, what's healthy? What's not? What's, you yeah. know, what is it supposed to be based on? What's how do you do it? Um, and I think teaching the pattern of abuse can hopefully help minimize, you know, future uh, experiences of abuse. Also, I think encouraging others to speak out. Yeah. Um, I think. Um, you know, you definitely, and again, I'm not even going to bring up the validity of, uh, I believe the women were, were valid in their claims and they were yeah. speaking from their lived I experience. Yeah. I think they're being honest and genuine, but the hate that they received, my goodness, especially in this day and of age of social media, just, yeah. you know, how they feel threatened and, you know, uh, just, just cra some crazy army hammer fan who doesn't want to acknowledge or admit that they're the person that they put up on their pedestal is in fact a monster. Uh, and so, you know, the hate they're willing to dole out to these women, but these women's, you know, them, I, I think there's a really cool moment. Sorry. Casey, where she, when she was yeah. younger, she didn't feel she had that kind of support to speak out. Yeah. Um, so she kind of, it sounds, it seems to, she seemed to suggest she held it in longer. And some, I remember when she was talking about the women, she was like, Oh, I really admire that in this context of me too, where women now have this platform to speak out and this kind of, uh, a support, I guess, uh, a support. A system that didn't quite exist where I, when I was younger, and I'm not saying it's perfect and it's where it should be, but at least there's some progress made where these women do feel a little more yes. encouraged to speak out. And not to say there aren't other women who probably are still on the fence and are kind of worried for, you know, uh, but I thought that was, uh, that was really important. And also, um, um, you know, validation, but also verification. So, I yeah. think these women not only spoke out, but they really look, here's the evidence of what I experienced. And in this day and age, man, text messages, everything gets saved yeah. and uh, it's going to come back and haunt you. And, but good thing it did here in this case of Army Hammer. No kidding. And, and I agree with, with so much of what you say there. Why it matters to me, uh, the idea of consent and speaking out it's interesting to me that 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 Casey says that because it makes you think the way everyone describes Armand Hammer as mm -hmm. this kind of imperious figure that everybody was terrified of. Yeah. You were not, you know, if he didn't want you dating someone, you were not allowed to talk about right. it. that that silence that, you know, silence is powerlessness. You know, money is power. Mm -hmm. Everyone was scared of him because he controlled the money. Yeah, and yeah. it's interesting to me that in a family, the idea that you can't speak out, that becomes so ingrained. The power structure is so defined 
and yes, yes. and unforgiving and and just crazy i guess it's not hard to see a, maybe some kind of psychological psychological link between that kind of imperiousness and bdsm some kind of sadomasochistic sexual fetish mm-hmm. uh fetishes the origins of fetish are not fetishes are not well understood but it tends to be something psychologists link to very early childhood exposure mm-hmm. whatever that may be um why it matters you know speaking out is important in families also it's important i think that we all consider when somebody has that much money wittingly or not how we bend to their will yeah yeah um because it could be at a, a operate under a very unconscious level right like it, it's, yes, it's it's not absolutely. you know it's it's not conscious because you don't want to admit that you're holding back because of the simple reason of greed. Like, oh, yeah. you know, I want to someday have access to this wealth or even just the privileges that my association with this family can afford me. You know, for example, hey, you can pick up a phone and you have a job or you have yeah. this choice business deal or whatever it may be. Yeah. A certain lifestyle, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you don't want to lose that. And, you know, if you're a young kid, if you're young Casey or if you're young army, that's good. That. Oh, that yeah. is not something you're going to escape from. That's your home. Yeah. So. And, and, you know, it, it requires a lot of sacrifice. It's a, you are going to be abandoned by your family or that, that social group that's trying to hold in that secret. Uh, it, it, uh, you know, it, you could potentially lose a lot uh, for standing up to what's right. But I think it has to be done and, and we have to be supportive of those individuals so that they feel, you know, that they're not, Oh, dude, thanks for that uh, nice juicy piece of nugget. Uh, now you can go F off. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> enjoy the consequences of you speaking up. That's that's a separate issue. Uh, okay, why it matters, uh, Katrina babies. Uh, to me, I think um, everyone should watch this because I think they'll walk away with a deeper and more thorough understanding of how certain phenomena can affect communities. In this case, communities of color. Also, it's not just a boohoo fest. I think there's a real, there are moments in the video documentary where it was a celebration of black culture. The, the, I just love seeing the, the different expressions of tradition and, and, and culture that they enjoyed prior to. And, and just a lot like this, these things are lost now forever. These things aren't built in a day or a year. They don't, they don't just materialize after relocating to a new place. This takes decades, hundreds of years yeah. to develop. And within a second, these things can get wiped out, especially if you don't put any effort to rebuilding and preserving. Right. Um, and so, so that was important to me. The other is again, the, uh, preserving place and culture, you know, culture and is rooted in place and environment. And, you know, once you lose it, it does not come back easily. And, and it's history. It's, um, you know, it's, uh, I don't know, it's, it's anthropology, it's archaeology, it's everything that can get wiped out so easily, so quickly. Yeah. Um, and again, um, last point, decades of family ties being wiped out. So yeah, that's what I really fo- focused on for that. I mean, that, that I, I, I agree with all of that. I think to me, in my mind, why it matters, it comes down to something quite cliche, if fundamental, those that who don't remember history are doomed to repeat it. And so it's not just the the tragedy of Katrina is not just all the things we lost, the elements of culture that were destroyed or went extinct, the families that, that were horribly uprooted, the trauma that these kids will have to carry for the rest of their lives. It's that it can happen again. It's that it may have already happened again. You know, if we're counting Maria here, Yeah. Um, just the complete, 
inaction of people at the top. And I think that speaks to something that we encounter in House of Hammer, which is the idea of of obscene privilege, of mm-hmm. just being so insulated by wealth and and power that you lose your ability to empathize with other people. Yeah, and I think that like going back to the George Bush, as you were describing that, he came to mind because I'm like, okay, you know, Kanye, but I think part of the reason Kanye West got heat for saying what he did, even though I think after seeing the documentary, you can't help but not sympathize, like in part agree with him, uh, is because Bush, like maybe he just didn't, like because of his insulation, like he just had no clue about these people and what yeah. they what lives were like and how this, uh, what they lost and how it impacted. Like he was just in his own little bubble. And could the argument made that, well, it's not so much that he, he, it's not that he didn't care. It's just he just had no freaking clue. So he, did, he didn't even know how to care. I mean, I'm giving him a lot of, of flexibility there. But, you know, I think privilege is also, it's it's also a form of trauma in itself in that it closes you off to to reality of of what's uh, the larger reality of, uh, that's out there. I don't know. That's a dis- whole other discussion. But it, 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 it is. And it's, it's interesting to note the parallels between someone like George W. Bush and army hammer in the sense that these are both guys that were raised in extremely wealthy, oh, yeah. extremely politically well-connected, prominent yep. families. It's interesting to look at the lack of empathy that both of them appear to show in yeah. this context. And the rules are different for them. Like even going back to army's family, like there was yeah. murder that they got away yeah. with. There's all kinds of, you know, <laughs> offering to buy someone's girlfriend for a, a billion <laughs> right. dollars. Oh, that's right. Oh my goodness. Like right. Orgies yeah. and sex parties. That's not to say I don't, I truly do not believe George W. Bush is into cannibalism. I don't know yeah. what he's into sexually. You know, I don't really want to know what he's into sexually. It might be a little freaky. We have to get access to his private painting collection. I don't know. Maybe I, I lived through his, two, you know, two, two of his terms, his whole administration. And that was enough of a boner shrinker without knowing about what <laughs> Oh God! Oh, one thing I want to add to with the white matters yeah. in the case of Katrina babies is I got also upset with the media. I mean, come on, like do your job, go out there and report instead of being a talking head, you know? Uh, like I think of CNN and like, oh, what is it? Like, do some story, like be a journalist, go out there, collect evidence, interview people, get the archival footage. Why did it take, you know what? X amount of years later from someone who lived through it and who happened to become a documentary filmmaker. I mean, that's yeah. what inspired him. Uh, to capture this, and thank God he did. But it's like that should have been also the uh, the news, you know, the job of the news, the media, is to go out there, show what these people are actually going through, and beg yourself, you know, uh, show the world. Right? We always say in, in, in literature, we talk about show, not tell. Well, show us yeah. what's going on instead of just sitting there and and pretending to to know what's going on. You know. Yeah. That that was upsetting to me. I'm like, like we need more real journalism. But again, it's expensive and it costs money, and they just don't want to. It is, and the truth is, in a storm, this is something we just encountered with (sighs) with uh, Ivan or uh, Ian, 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 yeah, Ian, and whatever. It's it's the same thing we've encountered with with Ian. I know reporters when there's everything's being destroyed by a hurricane, it's not exactly easy to go report. From certain yeah. areas, I know they had to finally get true, your true, players true. on jet skis. You know, yeah, that was the only way to get there. So, um, <sighs> the media do what you can, do what's right. Yeah, that that as a journalist myself, that's always that's always sort of my mantra. Yeah, um, 
and there's obviously a lot more we could say about that in both the way the media has handled. And I'm being general. Yeah, there's sure great examples of great media, but yeah, uh, definitely when I look back on that, I I wish uh, they did a better, at least the legacy media, like the larger media organizations. um, I wish they did a better job. Uh, Okay, connections. How do these two connect? Uh, To me, I think there's evidence of. you know, both has to do with power, right? Yeah. Um, the power of, you know, taking, using your power as leverage to get away with the things that you want to get away with. Uh, and, you know, in the other, the, just the, the desire not to apply that power to offer the assistance that was so yeah. greatly needed. I think both have access, uh, evidence of abuse and neglect and exploitation yeah. for both, both personal and institutional gain. Uh, right. It's, it's, it wouldn't, you know, Hey, it's an expense to provide resources to communities yeah. hit hard by natural disasters. So, you know, was, was that an incentive to kind of withhold funds, funds in part? Uh, of course the, so I don't know. It's kind of interesting. Um, so, and also patterns, legacy and consequences. Yeah. Um, I think we're like, I love how you mentioned like, yeah, there's with army hammer, there was this pattern of abuse. But also in Katrina, we're seeing these, these um, natural disasters. And are we seeing a pattern of neglect where, you know, we're not really uh, providing the, the, the assistance and support for certain social groups over others? Yeah. Um, and then there's real consequences to this. These women that have these relationships with Army Hammond are forever traumatized in the way that these young, chil- young black children... Uh, who experienced Hurricane Katrina are have a lifetime of trauma as a result of their experiences. So those to me are kind of like the key connecting threads. All true. All true. What do you think? What, what kind of, what are kind of, what could you tease out from that? Maybe. Well, I mean, I feel like we, I feel like we've already sort of covered it and it's hard for me to improve on everything you say there. I, I, you know, the, just the sort of lack of empathy among Yes, there you go. People. Yes, yes. Um, the double That's standard cute. that nice. that wealth creates, um, and you can look at that in any number of contexts. You know, just not just that that wealthy people seem just d- disconnected from reality at a certain point, frankly. Yeah. But but the, the just the the money the people who lived in new orleans that had money like the people that live in florida now or the people that lived in puerto rico or you know in new york that survived hurricanes they were all going to be fine it's it's the poor people that right. will not yep. be fine yeah uh, that was true in katrina that is true now and that is an inescapable i guess force of nature in a sense you know mm-hmm. of human nature um it's it's hard not to draw the parallels like i say with 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 empathy with you know the power associated with money and trauma like you say uh house of hammer does a very good job sort of illustrating trauma passed down and how it spreads and how it eventually spreads outside a family Mm -hmm. when it's passed down within a family uh and the trauma of katrina much in the way that say our grandparents had trauma from the great depression or, right. the yeah. or, or world war two that still affects the way we live today because, Oh my gosh, you can't throw that bag away. Mm-hmm. It's still good. You know, yeah. watch it out. And yeah, you know, true. You, true. You know, um, you're so lucky that you have anything to eat tonight. How dare you, you know, uh, it, 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 but even when you think it's gone away, I think it probably still lingers. 
And so it's interesting to see what the future will hold for yeah. everything we've talked about tonight. Yeah, and then this is a separate discussion, but how do you even teach empathy to a group that's so insulated, right? Like, I think back to even George Bush's father, Bush yeah. the senior. I remember, for, I don't know why this stuck in my mind, but I remember he went to, one of his, during his, one of his campaigns, he went to a supermarket. Oh, this and, guy, you're having it. <laughs> it's such a silly, I'm glad you remember it. It just kind of ages me, but, uh, you know, wow. where he and was, scanning, he was, yeah, he was like dazzled by the, the scanning of goods. Like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like people have it so good, you know, because yeah. he never shops, right? He wow. has people doing that for him. I thought it was just like, oh my gosh, like that's such a, just a crazy, like, yeah, you, you are, you are privileged to, to the point where you don't have to shop. You don't have to do certain mundane chores, right? Every weekend yeah. I have to clean my house and do this, do that, do, do the other. Whereas, you know, these people, that's, that's a, they don't even touch those things. He'd been, what, head of the CIA and then vice president. So it had probably been a while since he'd been at a grocery store. Right. Um, <laughs> okay, in fairness, sure. There you go. Yeah. Uh, or drove himself right. anywhere. Anywhere, yeah. Uh, that's sort of a kind of nasty reality of American politics that that we have to live with. Those, the people we're voting for probably don't know how we live because right, right. they just, it's sort of a construct of their lives if they have that kind of political yeah. experience. It's not... Yeah going to be exactly relatable but that's that you know i think that underlines again the idea that you need to find someone empathetic um and the reason george hw bush lost re-election was precisely because bill clinton whether you believe it was authentic or not mm -hmm. had this way about him where it seemed like he was able to empathize with everybody i remember this is you know a tangent but since we're on it real quick I remember in one of their debates, it was the town hall debates, so I think it was the second debate that Bill Clinton and George mm -hmm. H.W. Bush had. There was a woman that was talking about, uh, uh, she asked a question about hardship and living in poverty. And George H.W. Bush said, I don't understand your question. Oh. And it was because the woman did ask this kind of nebulous yeah. sort of meandering question. But Clinton said, tell me more about the pain you're living with. Mm. And that was a moment where he completely right. yanked the rug out from a very popular sitting president. And people yeah. just went, huh, maybe this guy doesn't know or care about how I live. But this other guy seems to, seems to being the operative. It's a good topic. I, we could do an entire podcast on just that alone. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that, there's some beautiful things. Okay, the three, the final se uh, section in our format, the three connecting words. Uh, I'm going to throw out um, awareness. Interesting. I think awareness, because I think being aware, for example, in the Army Hammer case, being aware of that cycle of abuse, that predatory type behavior, also being aware, empathy, right? Being aware yeah. of how the, the the people that you're trying to govern live, you know, in all level at all levels and, and within all yeah. social groups. So that to me is as a key word. Um, there are two others, but I'm not I'm not too sure. I'm not feeling the other two, but I think awareness really stands <laughs> out to it. Maybe, well, um, yeah. I would say empathy. I mean, empathy. Sure. Is, yeah. is, we've said it so many times in this conversation. Yeah. It's kind of hard not to say empathy in, in one way or another, whether it be empathizing with someone that you are romantically involved with trying to eat or, or <laughs> watching, you know, weather a storm on the news. Empathy is a human quality. We all absolutely need if we're going to survive. We could throw power. We mentioned that, power. Um, you know, power yeah. dynamics, right? Um, yeah. The power that Army Hammer's family wields and the, allowed them to get away with as much as... And even now, right? Army Hammer, like, look, he's still... Okay, he might... Maybe, okay, he's canceled, so to speak, 
but yeah. he's not in jail. He's not paying for anything. Uh, he's not really being held accountable to his actions with the, with the relationships he had. I mean, he might yeah. still be continuing that cycle of abuse. You know, there's who knows. So, um, yeah, I I would add the word systemic. Systemic, yeah, for sure. In the sense that you're talking about whether you're talking about systemic abuse or systemic poverty or systemic failure, in yeah. the, you know, in the case of Katrina, um, the system's got to work. And yeah. uh, it, it again speaks to the idea that we're all connected one way or the other. Yeah. And, and just, you know, a process, a mechanism of holding yeah. those who, who abuse accountable right yeah. whether it's financial or yes. personal or you know affecting entire region i mean yeah it's it's yeah so i think okay so we got uh, awareness we got empathy systemic uh, maybe even for me like consequence i, I feel mm. like there's definitely you know both had real consequences to the people that it, that were affected by either army hammers uh, exp- uh, manipulation, or in the case of Katrina, the neglect and abandonment that these people felt. You know, yeah. there's this trauma is is a consequence of. I would throw out the word trust. Trust, trust Ooh, in the okay. system, trust in your elected officials, and on the level of kink, I was tempted to say kink, but I feel like that's too excited <laughs> right for this conversation. Uh, yeah. So I say trust because it's a major element of kink for people who want to be kinky or engage in in kinky, kinky kind of behaviors trust is where you start that's it's, a good point yeah it's in gathering consent it's in uh, uh allowing awareness it's in allowing for power exchange there's that word again power right um and yeah. just like if you're the member of a society if you're paying your taxes if you're living in a city if you're voting for a politician you hope that and and trust that he can do his job I mean, at some point, we need that trust, right? We can't hold, we can't be aware of every single thing going on in the world as as much as we should try. At some point, we we would hope it'd be nice knowing that it is possible creating some kind of system into which that we can trust to a certain level. Anyways, I don't know if that's the best thing I want to say, but trust is important. You're right. We can't function as a society, as a civilization without some degree of trust actually you know uh, bearing a more positive outcome yeah. because yeah you know, we trust the people that uh, we hope would look out for us or support us or what have you david another excellent episode this was awesome um yeah this was i think we covered two extraordinary documentaries uh, we definitely encourage listeners if you haven't heard it already house of hammer three episodes katrina babies um watch it it's it's uh, it's definitely uh, illuminating insightful at the top of my list in terms of thank you everyone for listening as always uh, check us out on our social media share discuss and we hope that you tune in next time